All right. Um. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Yes, sir. Uh, so big week, big week this week. We've we've actually uh, you uh, this is your get this week. We've got a guest. Um, yes, yes. This is our first time we've we've got a guest on uh, parts of art. So we're pretty excited about that. That's going to be a little bit later on. But uh, so it's been a few weeks. How, how's everything going, man? Going good. Uh, it has been busy. Um, life, school, and work uh, take up some time. But uh, hopefully that will be dwindling down. Um, uh, the school part, at least, uh, come August. And, uh, you know, but outside of that... Um, it's been okay, just busy, and uh, how about things in your world? Uh, not too bad, not too bad, other than limping and in a boot and crutches, but uh, other than that, uh, yeah, things are good. Um, just been editing a little bit, just started editing um, my last film, it's such a pro progress, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know, man, I, well, <laughs> like, when you're toward the end is when you're like, yeah, but when you're just starting, you're like, there's so much to do, so much to do. So anyway, uh, so when we last left off, you didn't have a movie, but you eventually found a movie for us to watch. And what movie was that? Yeah, I've, uh, as I said, I've been busy and, and slacking and just too many irons in the fire. But um, I actually kind of uh, copped out this week and chose a movie that I had already seen um, now it's it's been a little while but it, it's a movie and a topic that is near and dear to my heart it's a it's a little bit of an older movie I think it came out in 2009 ish 2008 2009 um, it's called the wrestler uh, Mickey Rourke uh, Marissa Tomei uh, and a really I, I thought uh, a really well done film, um, but but I'm really curious because I am a huge pro wrestling mark, a, a huge pro wrestling fan, just a, a nerd. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I, I'm curious to hear your input as someone just completely outside looking in what you thought about it. Okay. Um, well, so yeah, now I'm not. Uh, a wrestling fan. Uh, it's it's really not not something I watch. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously I've been exposed to it. I I mean, growing up, my my dad watched it and stuff. Uh, I think my dad and my uncle took me to uh, one or two of those events. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, not like a big one, like WrestleMania or anything, but like a small one. So I have, you know, I ha I have a little bit of knowledge about it. But it, it, again, it's not something that I actually just sit down and and watch. Um, but so so yeah, so I watched it tonight. So this is Darren, uh, Darren Avanovsky, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I'm a fan of him. Uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of his work, uh, down to the New Mother and Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream and um, just all, all the different kinds of stuff he's done. So I was interested to see what this is going to be about, and especially since it's got such high uh, acclaim. Again, not that that's my thing, but you know the uh, was it 98 on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, pretty well. Uh, so. I, yeah, I was interested to see it, so I checked it out. I'll have to say, like, the first probably 20, 25 minutes of it, I was kind of bored. <laughs> just because it was mostly just wrestling and stuff, and that's really um, yeah. not 
entertaining to me necessarily. Um, it was cool to see, like, obviously that they were faking it and stuff. Like, the thing with the razor blade, I don't know if we give away spoilers, but um, that was kind of interesting to see uh, and all that. But once it gets going and everything, um, it, gets, it's, it gets a lot better for me. I enjoyed it a lot more. I mean, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I, I didn't find it, I guess, completely original or anything like crazy, um, like wild, if, especially compared to to his other movies, because <laughs> he has some pretty wild shit in some of those other movies. Um, so I did. There was none of that. I probably my my favorite parts of the movie was when he was working the deli. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, that was good stuff. Like his kind of humbling, you know, or his like. Uh, but the the down on the luck and and the, the all that. I think it it has been done before, so I don't know how crazy original it was but um but it was enjoyable i mean uh marissa torme man uh yeah um yes yeah uh 40 was 40 44 and um, when she did this movie oh yeah she yeah i, I like that uh, those those scenes were really good uh overall you know i thought it was good but i but again maybe maybe not being associated with the, the sport or entertainment um, of wrestling, did I really connect with it as well as probably say you did? Well, the the, the thing I wanna I wanna touch on real quick um, is because uh, the the thing that struck a chord with me was how true how, how true it was to what you see. Like I, I'm I can go to uh, little gas station flyers. And see wrestlers who used to be 20, 30 years ago, like, you know, like, making hundreds of thousands to possibly even millions of dollars, uh, who have just gotten old and fallen down on their luck, and this is all they know how to do, and now they're touring these little, small, rinky-dink National Guard armories, trying to, you know, cash in on their their past glory to basically make a living. It's it's a really fascinating... And, well, and again, that's very akin to horror movies, because you think about it. Now, I've been to a lot of these mm -hmm. horror conventions. Now, some of them are pretty, uh, pretty well made, you know, and they do have a lot of people there, unlike the one in this movie but but i have also been to those as well so so yeah that's kind of the same way that happens to uh to be horror actors you know once they kind of run their course and and i think that's why you know now it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be they they've really cleaned their act up but you know you take back in the boom period of the 80s and 90s you know a lot of these guys you know they say oh it's fake it's fake well you still got to fall. And, you know, it's it's kind of like, okay, get up out of bed and just fall backwards into the floor. Tell me how fake that is. You know, it's still going to sting and hurt a little bit. And these guys were taking drugs, drinking, on the up and down the road, traveling 250 to 300 days a year. And it's a hell of a life. And once you get into that vicious cycle and it's all you know how to do 
it's kind of a lonely life. And I thought that's what what the movie really just done so well um, at depicting. And I know some wrestlers, um, Roddy Piper, who has passed away actually in I think two to three years ago um that's a movie we should try and watch sometime as they live I was, I was just thinking of that movie um, I watched it uh, probably well a month ago actually because that is a very topical movie um in my opinion for this day and age but the, the, the topic for another time but you know Roddy Piper I know when that movie come out he um he loved it. it. Well, he initially he he had some strong opinions about it, and and I think he eventually came around. I think at first he was offended, and then came around to actually liking the movie and you know appreciated it. Um, but um, but anyways, obviously I'm going to give it a glowing review. Uh, I would say an eight or a nine out of ten um, because I with the the main source material I, I love it so much so i'm i'm obviously going to give it a glowing review but for someone who is completely disconnected from the main source material what would you give it i would probably go 6 uh just because again no i'm not connected to it so i pro there probably is something missing there but you know those themes that you just discussed you know, you can tr those are kind of universal and not just to um, wrestling because you know going I was thinking about it too you know when he's there and he's hearing the, the roar of the crowd you know and he's imagining the roar of the crowd when he steps into that ice uh, that uh, ice cooler mm -hmm. um, you know um, like that can be equated with a lot of things especially like uh, with us you know like when we used to play music you know uh, mm -hmm. and now we, we didn't we didn't live a life like that but a lot of people have where you go on the road and you get it all the time that sort of adrenaline thing and you know when it goes away you know wow what kind of what kind of existence it's kind of but that kind of, again that's so universal it's just like that's the jock that after high school doesn't know what to do with himself you know because he was claim you know such claim to fame uh throughout the years and then that that kind of glory days are behind him so it's that those are always hard transitions i think for everybody and i think that's what the story really is about is you know his maybe trying to figure it out and not really trying to and being unable to really find that transition so yeah probably about a six um again um uh, it did have some some pretty good stuff to it i think i was expecting more of a crazy movie again coming just from the director but but yeah it's it's a good movie though it's solid i mean the acting's really good okay so uh staying staying on the topic of movies uh we have a little treat for uh whoever listens to the podcast this week. Uh, you want to let them in on that? Right. Uh, well, this is going to be a thing that we're going to do, I think, um, maybe every time or uh, most, most times. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to throw some codes out there for people. We talked uh, before about, uh, you know, how the digital age is upon us and everybody's kind of going there. So I thought it would just be a great idea to just give away some free movies, you know, to our loyal listeners. So you know why not just uh um you know throw some out there for people we're not going to tell you what the movie is now there are ways to find out if you know how that is but but we're not going to tell you it's going to be kind of a secret um surprise so what we're going to do is i'm going to give you some numbers right now i'm going to give you the, the majority of the numbers except for the last one 
so write it down or whatever you got to do. Keep keep it on hand. And then later in the podcast, I'm going to give you – sometime in the podcast, I'm going to give you the last number. You put them all together, boom, you got yourself a free code for a movie. So uh, here you go. The uh, letters, numbers uh, are this. Three, N, that's N as in night, T, X, A, 9, X, D, Q, J, W, 4, B, as in boy, R, and Z. I'll say it again. 3, N, T, X, A, 9, X, D, Q, J, W, 4, B, R, Z, and there's one more letter. I'll stick around, and I'll, we'll give it to you later on. Uh, this can be redeemed in movies anywhere for sure, uh, so you can just go there if you don't know where else to go, and since you don't know the, what the movie is, that might be your best bet. Uh, that that was going to be my uh, my question, so so the listeners go to movies anywhere, correct? Yeah. If you're, if you're hooked up to Movies Anywhere, which a lot of people are now, um, just go to moviesanywhere.com and you just go to Redeem, and you'll type in that those uh, uh, numbers and letters, and then when you get the last one, type them all in and hit Redeem, and you'll have that movie. It's a, it's only a one Redeem code, so first person gets it, uh, is the winner. But that's it. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll try to have some more of these for, for you guys, so you know, tell your friends to listen in and maybe get some cool movies. All right. Um, Keeping with movies, though. Uh, it's been a little while. What do you watch, man? I've been watching uh, not necessarily movies, but um, <laughs> Lacey, Lacey has been watching a lot of Friends. Now, <laughs> the, this is funny to me because, you know, I remember when it was on, and I think that was... I, I was in high school when it was on or later, you know, and and I've noticed I, I've noticed that her generation, uh I think I think she's five years younger, and you know, her generation and, and even a little bit earlier has gained this obsession with friends because it's on Netflix. And now I guess I've gained a, a new appreciation i'm not saying it's like oh my god it's the best show ever but I, I can sit and watch it she'll usually she'll usually cut it on you know when we're getting ready to go to bed and i'll and i'll catch myself watching a couple episodes and <laughs> i've been watching a lot of that and just kind of i guess fascinated at and i guess what i'm seeing is how how i met your mother and the big bang theory Two of the most popular shows of the past, I would say, 10 to 15 years stole this template. And I may catch a lot of flack over that. Apologies to any listeners that are like, well, yeah, well, they're so different. And they know you're wrong. Well, I'm just saying in general, they stole this template from friends. And, and I'm not saying that it, that it wasn't ever done before. But when I'm watching Friends, and, and I've watched... How I Met Your Mother and The Big Bang Theory, which, yet again, I don't like The Big Bang Theory. Really can't stand that show. May lost some listeners there. I don't know. But 
you know, I watch those shows and then I watch, you know, having watched Friends, I'm like, wow, they really just kind of ripped off the template, changed a few things, and then, you know, just recycled it, which I guess that's television, movies, whatever in general, but that, that's that been the main thing uh, I've been watching recently. Uh, as I said, I've been super busy. Uh, I haven't had time to watch a whole lot. I'm planning on watching Infinity War, trying to avoid any spoilers, even though they're already out there. Um, so what about you? What what have you been watching? Real quick, uh, since you're talking about TVs, I wanted. I was thinking about our last podcast where I, I did uh, uh, throw a lot of TV shows out there and say I, I watched some of these shows. But then I was thinking about it, and I forgot. Like, I actually didn't list any of my favorite TV shows, like, of all time. So I thought I would just mention those real quick, um, just real quick. Um, so my, my favorite ones that I, that I love to death uh, are obviously older. Some of the, some of them are not no longer on the air, but I, I still love these. Um, Buffy, obviously, mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Angel, those all go together, Josh Whedon's World. Um, those were my favorite back in the day, and there wasn't a lot of genre stuff on back then but those were my absolute favorite um dexter uh i loved that i love the show dexter uh especially one through four was amazing five through eight gets it's kind of hit or miss at times but overall i still love that show hannibal did you ever watch hannibal i think you and i have discussed this off the off of the podcast and i haven't but i've heard some really good things about it it was amazing it was one of those shows that i going into it was not thinking I was going to like it just because I, I did love, love Silence of the Lambs. So I thought, I, I'm not going to like this. But they really made it their own. It's it's a very artistically in, inclined show. Uh, the soundtrack is amazing. It's mostly drum. It's mostly percussion. Like a lot of it is. The cinematography is the thing that just blows you away. It's just fantastic. But anyway, it only lasted for three seasons. But it was just amazing that that show I really loved. Uh, another three season show, Penny Dreadful. I loved that show. It was really really good. Uh, Victorian times where you introduced all these old characters like the Frankenstein monster and Dracula and the Wolfman and all these other different characters as well. But done so eloquently. Uh, Josh Harnett and Eva Green is on there. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. I do like American Horror Story, even though sometimes it's hit or miss too. The same thing with uh, with everybody's used to favorite uh, Walking Dead. I haven't watched the last season, but I, I do try to watch it. Uh, but but probably my favorite three is probably well, the Buffy Angel Accounts one and Dexter and Hannibal. Um, I also really like True Detective too. Uh, did you watch any of that True Detective the first season? Well, that that's a show. You know, I heard that the uh, first season. It's amazing. And then the second season was kind of eh, so. The second season is not amazing. Yeah, it, it, the second season I'm not sure what went on there, but the first one is just a standalone season. I know they're making season three now, so I I'll check it out. I have hopes that maybe they'll reclaim it. But yeah, the second one was kind of all over the place. While we're on the topic of of all time favorite shows and, and things of that nature, The Simpsons mm-hmm. fan, no fan. Uh, yeah, I like it. I don't dislike it. I mean, I, I haven't stayed true to it and watched all okay. 34, mm. uh, whatever they are. Uh, but, I, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was uh, overall good. It's just something I never really just made a part of my 
Like because there's a story in the news now that we'll touch on this briefly uh, because we could probably do a whole episode on this. But we'll touch on this briefly. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Hank Azaria is actually stepping down from voicing Apu. And there's been a big controversy over the depiction of the character Apu as an Indian on that show. And without like getting like super in-depth into this, they're essentially saying it's, it's somewhat of a racist depiction. Politically incorrect. Yeah. 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 Now, how can I personally do I see where people are coming from that that are Indian descent? Yes. Do I think some of it is 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 a bit overblown, and do I think it, it is a bit satirical on the show? Yes. So I I, I see both sides of of the spectrum. Um. What are your thoughts on that whole little controversy that's been in the news recently? Well, um, I think that it's just horseshit. <laughs> well, you know, because I, I, I was trying to tiptoe and you just went straight for it. Yeah, you know, come on, it's just like, uh, at, what, at what point can you not make um, a fun? You're a, you're a comedy series. You can't make fun of anybody. Mm. You know, it's like. It'll get to the point where you can't make fun of anybody because of yeah. because of something that that they are attributed to about themselves, and it's just it's just ridiculous. Like I feel like you know that's just where where we are in our society. But I don't like it. I, I feel like you know you're not harming somebody. It, this this show is not out to harm somebody personally. So the fact that people are just taking it personal that's just all it is. You know, I mean, I don't think that. I don't. I don't think the show itself is racist. I don't think that there's. You know. I think that it's legitimately trying to just. If we're talking about stereotypes and things like that, and so you can't do a stereotype of anybody or it's going to be racist. But then how are we as artists supposed to draw from people and draw from real life if you're not really allowed to draw from real life, or draw from something that you see? Like you know, it's it's very much trying to restrain the, the creative creative process. I believe, and I'm not a fan of it. I mean. I feel as long as you're not hurting somebody, that, that you shouldn't have to change your art just because somebody else personalizes it when they should. Yeah, and and I agree. I mean, the best art. Uh, how, how is it the old saying goes? The best art uh, is uh, something that someone else questions. Something to that to that extent. I mean, I, I think it. it Possibly is a bit overblown, but that that's just the nature of the beast and the, the world we live in now. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Speaking of news related, you know, we, and you yeah. talked about this maybe two a couple of podcasts ago about the Facebook thing. Uh, I would. I, did you catch any of that Facebook stuff where they were talking? Where uh, Zuckerberg was talking to Congress? Uh, with uh, Zuckerberg, where they were grilling him. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. I actually, I didn't, I didn't see any full-blown clips. I would see it on the news, and, and they would show like video of it, but with no sound. Uh, I know they they pretty well just grilled him pretty hard, and he really didn't do that great. Uh, I felt like he was. I felt like he was Bill Clinton talking about blowjobs. 
Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's the gist that I got from it, too. But also, but there was a point in there where, where he basically stated, yes, uh, they track you even if you don't have a Facebook. Which I find highly disturbing. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Google guy. I love me some Google. I have a Chromebook. I have a Google Home Mini. I'm on their cell phone plan. I love me some Google. And they are probably worse than Facebook about data tracking or, or data mining. Um, so even if, you know, you don't have Facebook, they're going to get you. Big Brother's going to get you. Put your tinfoil hat on. They're going to get you. So I, I find it disturbing you know, I, I don't have a Facebook anymore. I deleted it. I don't know. It, it, it is disturbing. And, and some people say, well, you know, if you have nothing to hide, then then you have nothing to worry about. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you, you could you could point back to to uh, films like Minority Report, where they predict the, the crime, you know, kind of coming full circle here. Uh, we're going to talk to Michael about, you know, Steven Spielberg movies. Well, Minority Report, you know, where they uh, they predict the crime before it happens. And I don't think that's, at the time in 2002, that seemed a bit crazy. But now in 2018, I don't think that's terribly far-fetched. Uh, and even with the more recent film that we discussed here, The Circle, I mean, that movie certainly, you could watch that and see a lot of parallels to the world we live in. You know, now, obviously, that was made last year, so it's pretty current. But it, it is kind of a... And I don't see many people getting as freaked out as they should about it. It's just like, oh, okay, well, let, let me make another post. Let me, you know, got to gotta make this post and uh, just go ahead about my day. So Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, so real quick, um, so... The movies I watched, I'll go, go back, going back to the movies I watched since last time I talked, there's been quite a few. I'll run through them real quick and uh, not say too much about most of them. Um, I finally got around to seeing The Mummy with Tom Cruise. You saw it? I have. It, it was watchable. It was watchable. It was, watchable. It was okay. It, was, it wasn't great. I can see why people didn't really, like, I thought uh, Tom was fine. I thought The Mummy looked good. Uh, I didn't really care that much for his female counterpart as far as her acting and also the Hyde character, I don't know, I, it wasn't really, it didn't seem like it had to be there, but yeah, yeah it was okay. Uh, so, I watched this movie, uh, it was an 80 movie called The Wolfen, or it's just called Wolfen, actually. Have you seen this one? I have not. It's it's about werewolves, but not really. It's it's more of a, a suspense thriller, I guess you would say, about shapeshifters, but uh, yeah, it was, it was decent. Uh, I went back and watched the original Jumanji. Because I, you know, I don't, actually don't think I've actually set through the whole thing. I've seen clips, obviously, and bits and pieces, but I, I hadn't seen the whole thing. So I think this was my first watch on it, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it's really good. I watched a movie called Catch and Release. It was, it, this is a chick flick basically, but it's 2007, and I watched it. Uh, Kevin Smith was on there. He's actually acting in it, and Timmy, Timothy Olympia, the uh, the, uh, the guy from, uh, oh, that was another show that I love, Justified. Love that show. Watched every episode. Wanted more. That was a great. That was a great series. I watched a movie called The House with Will Ferrell. You seen this one? Now I've heard I've heard some uh, some mixed things about that movie. I've heard it's if you like Will Ferrell, you'll enjoy it, and if you don't, then you'll find it kind of dumb. <laughs> probably. Well, yeah. I, that's that's kind of probably true. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay. I mean, it, it definitely is not in his probably top ten films, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's nothing to watch again, probably, but. Um, 
I watched a movie called Phoenix Forgotten. This is a found footage film, but it's it's based on those uh, uh, sightings in Phoenix that happened. Um, it was in the nineties. Um, but yeah, it's found footage, and I, there's not many. Found, I love Blair Witch, but there's not many of those things I actually enjoy. I went back and revisited Death Becomes Her, Bruce Willis, Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep. Gotcha. That it's been a while since I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, but it's still it's still a great movie. It still holds up pretty pretty well. Uh, watched a horror movie called The Black Coat's Daughter. It's pretty messed up. Pretty good. It's got Emma Roberts in it. But I won't I don't want to say too much about it. But there's it's definitely um, like kind of layers of stories that connect. And it's not an anthology because it all it's all connects with the same story. But um, yeah, it's pretty creepy. Um, a Cure for Wellness. Have you heard of this one? You know, I have. Uh, that came out, what, last year? Yeah, it's not been that long. Uh, maybe a couple years ago at the most. You know, I heard a lot of things about it. And I actually, I think I tried to watch it once before, and I just didn't get around to finishing it. Uh, it's a long-ass movie. It's a, it's almost two and a half hours. And I think that's where it hurts. Uh, it, I think it really could have used a big edit there. Uh, it's, I mean, it looks good, and there's some good stuff to it. But it is really, really long. A little bit too long for, for my taste. Uh, watched a little indie film called Werewolf, The Beast Among Us. And I'll tell you the thing about werewolf films is they're – I really don't like a lot of them, to be honest with you. Same thing with, with uh, zombie movies, to be honest. There's some that I really, really love, like I just love, but but a lot of them I don't really like. Same thing with werewolves. I'll give them credit to like even to make a werewolf film because you know of all that uh, just special effects that you have to do, either CGI or practical. You know, that's a lot of work there, but I, I wasn't I wasn't really into this one. Uh, I watched Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, the uh, the new one. The new one, yes. Any good? Um, it was okay. I I didn't find it particularly that interesting. Like, I I felt like it. it now I didn't read the book, but I felt like it just it felt like it came straight from the book. Like you know what I mean? It wasn't a lot of crazy twists or anything like i mean yeah there's twists but it, it felt very much like an old book twist you know what i mean like it's just it wasn't I, one thing i'll say about it is it went really fast like i felt like that movie went really fast like it, it was over before you knew it but at the end of it I, I mean i wasn't like oh my god it was amazing so watchable definitely watchable i revisited uh jurassic park recently um I still love that movie. It still holds up. Uh, of course, you know now, now they're doing Jurassic World and Part Two or whatever. But yeah, I, I still I love that movie. It's it's so good, adventure, but yet still horror. I still consider it a horror film. Finally got around to seeing The Shape of Water. Now is that any good? Because that that really looks like an interesting film. I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I don't know how it won. The best picture necessarily. <laughs> I'm like, wow, really? That one for best picture? In- interesting. I mean, we live in an interesting time, so I guess that, you know, we have that. It's not a horror film, but it it it, it, it does have those elements. I mean, we're talking about a creature. I mean, basically the black creature from the black boom, you know, basically, but updated. You know, it looks and it looks cool. But I, I say watch it. I say watch it. It might not be your cup of tea. I have, I think this is more of a a very divisive movie as well. Some people have kind of split on it, but I liked it. I thought it was, I mean, I, I, I thought it was good, but it definitely, I, I don't know why so many people thought it was good. But again, again, this is a, this is a weird, a weird year. You know, that one best picture, get out one best screenplay. So 
Um, and the last thing I revisited was um, That Thing You Do. Do you remember that movie? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yep. Liv Tyler. Um, Ethan Emery. Emery. Uh, all those guys doing the band, you know? Yep. That's uh, that's an underrated film. It is. It's really good. It's a, it's a really good movie. I like it a lot. You know, especially, you know, again, we were talking about, you know, being close to the source material and everything. I think we can relate to it maybe more than the average movie viewer. But, yeah, I, I like it. Um, uh, you know, and it got to me thinking about and got those old feelings about band practice and all that stuff. I uh, got to, to feeling good, you know. Whenever, <clears throat> whenever Liz, Liv Tyler's kind of like off, listening to the band play or practice, and she's mouthing the the lyrics to uh, to the songs, you know. This is before they blew up, before they were big, and uh, and I kind of was like, oh man, I you know I really miss that 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 sort of uh, audience participation where you have people lip singing or, or singing along with your songs, things that you mm-hmm. wrote. That's just a really really cool feeling. What do you, what do you, um, do you ever have those kind of moments where you're like, ah, oh, I really miss those sort of uh, things that for, – for me, band practice was always probably f- more fun than uh, the actual playing because the playing was always like uh, so much stress <laughs> in a way. Practice was always fun though. I uh, – yeah, I've, I've had some some moments like that where you have a, a, a song that, you know, that, that connects with someone that – uh, especially, and, I, and I'm going to say this, you know, being a happily married man now, <laughs> th- there was a song, Pretty Nixon, that I wrote that uh, the ladies loved and was always, whenever uh, I was playing, and I and I need to get back into playing, but that's a whole other story. Um, whenever I was playing regularly, um they would always want to hear that because I, it, it was, I guess, kind of a prettier song, and and they loved it, and it was uh, that that was kind of a cool feeling, like you know, okay, so yeah, yeah, it it's it is it, it's a cool feeling to kind of have someone connect. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, man. Well, I guess we're gonna let uh, go ahead and introduce our uh, first inaugural guest here uh, in a second. Well, last thing I want to say before we do that is uh, I've been kind of hearing some stories about a quiet place, and if you if you recall, last time I told you my quiet place experience was sullied a little bit by the audience um, talking during the movie rudely, you know, during the quiet. And I heard like so many people say, "Oh, it was so great. It was such a." Uh, movie going experience because everybody was so quiet and I'm like ah you know uh, <laughs> but uh, but somebody said something that I thought was really interesting now and, and this goes back to like with, with songs I don't used to especially during the, the 90s when things were so uh, metaphorical and everything we used to sit around and try to figure out what the songs were really about or what they meant you know to to the artist you know like what was their interpretation what were they really trying to convey was it just literal or was it was there definitely something more going on there and I heard, and somebody said this about a quiet place, and I didn't, I didn't try to look for anything for the movie. I just took it for as it is, and, and enjoyed it through that. But somebody said that they thought that the movie represented t- today and our life on the internet, whereas you can survive and you can, you know, you can exist <laughs> as long as you're quiet. But whenever you are loud, whenever you make a loud presence on the internet. 
that's when you are attacked. And I thought that was really good. I thought that was a good analogy for the movie. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. yeah, that was like that kind of blew my mind. I was like, that's a great, that's a great way to look at it. So that maybe enjoyed it even more. Well, all right, man. So let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's talk to her. I'm so happy now. Now we're being yes. Sounds good. Let's uh, let's get into it. All right, guys. And now for our first time ever, our first guest on this podcast, we have the. Author, director, producer, Mr. Chicago himself, Michael Joles, joins us. Hey, Mr. Joles, welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Very nice, very nice. Great here, man. How's it going? Great, cool, cool. Thank you for having me on. You didn't give me any rules. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Very much so. Mike, okay, am I allowed to be naked? Mm, yeah, uh, you have to be naked. It's the rule. That's the rule? Good, because I've seen you two on the radio, man. You were bad as hell. Oh, yeah. We have we have a body for radio. Um, so, All right, perfect. <laughs> so what's going on with you, Joel? You, uh, you, you're you writing uh, pulp fiction novels? I'm writing pulp fiction novels? Yeah, dude. That's what I do in my pastime. I just wear a dress. Usually write it late Thursday nights over the weekend. I, back, I book myself up into a hotel room, wear makeup. Beautiful. It's exciting. I think this is going to hit big for you. I think this is going to. Hit big. I, I know it's going to hit big, dude. I've <laughs> I've I'm in, I'm in two hundred bucks in debt <laughs> as of last Friday. <laughs> oh, no one's going to listen to this interview now. <laughs> what? This is Turn. Your viewership just dropped. <laughs> it went down from one to nine. Thanks, man. Oh, Thanks. good. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Good progression. That. Uh, all right. So yeah. So let's get into it. Like, all right. So you you just wrote a book. You just came out with a book. You just came out with a movie. You got a lot of stuff going on. Which one do you want to talk about first? I don't know. Which, which one interests you? <laughs> I, uh, I want to hear more about the Pulp Fiction. No. Uh, let's talk about the book a little bit. So you just came out with this book, The Films of Steven Spielberg. Tell us uh, tell us a little bit about it. So basically, uh, Films of Steven Spielberg, the book – where's the microphone? On? Yeah, this is the microphone. Can you hear me better right now? Sounds great. Okay, good. Oh, goo goo. Sorry. All right. Uh, so, films of Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's not an extensive book. It's not super long. Um, and what the book intends to do, it goes through Spielberg's biography. And I didn't set out to write a biography. It just sort of, you know, every director, they sort of had, you know, you kind of go for their main themes. You go for the motifs you see the most. And with Spielberg, right away, all of his movies because he had success at such such a young age, all of his movies come from himself. They come from something that he drew upon in his childhood. Because you got to think about it, this guy hit big in his early 30s. Mm-hmm. So that's where he pulls a lot of his stuff from. So originally, when you do would when you would do a filmography, you look for uh, does he does the director work in the horror genre? Does she he or she? Um, examine certain cultural, political, you know, themes or whatnot. Spielberg's kind of all over the place. But if you listen to his interviews, if you read his interviews, they're all very personalized. So the book had to, in some regards, start out as a biography. And we don't go through every little thing. I mean, there's so many, many other way better authors than me have done an excellent job with that. But we go through the biography, getting the, the important bits and then we move on to the films themselves um, and kind of looking at the main themes. Well, yeah, I, I noticed much. that. I was going to say, I noticed that because, like, in your last book, The Films of Sam Mendes, you kind of – you literally went 
by uh, film by film, but with this one, you definitely went more by themes. You covered the movies, but you didn't. You definitely didn't just take. And I'm assuming that's because there were so uh, many. Of them. Yeah, I mean, I at some point in like the next ten years or twenty years, depending on how long Spielberg works for, I certainly could do the book movie by movie. In fact, that's how the research process began. Was I started with his films first to most recent, and basically filled the notebook, watched the film. Just started, just pretty much right, and that's usually the best way to to do a book like this when it's it's such a cumbersome. I mean, it's thirty years of work, and that's I I strayed away from it for quite a while because of that because it was so cumbersome. But approaching doing a book like this, I kind of thought, all right, let's see if you can pull it off without having to pull every piece of referential material in existence to pull it off. And so one of the ways to sort of work through that is you watch it. Each film in order. And I had seen them all previously, but watch each of them in order, and just start putting pen to paper with whatever ideas come to your mind. That way, you just it, it, you kind of it drains your brain, if you will. It sort of flushes the system out, kind of just gets everything out on paper. Plus, you can and see like the, the, you see the evolution of him as a filmmaker as well, right? Just yes, yeah, and that's when the themes come out really clearly. So, as far as evolution goes, the most obvious case of that is really in the, his World War II films. Hmm. Um, because he's he's fascinated by World War Two, and you see as as a young filmmaker, he it's weird to watch 1941 and know it's the same director as Saving Private Ryan or vice versa, because the two movies couldn't be more different. Right. But it took 20 years of his filmmaking career to make that happen. You know, Steven Spielberg. Because of his success at such a young age, he got to work himself through as a director. Human – okay, movies aside, we learn – human nature as it is, is learned through just habits of just doing something, of, of working ourselves up to something. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be movie-related. It could be anything-related, but we, we, we get that from just living life. You know, It's the experiences – that we go through just living life. And I don't care what your job is or, or whatever career or profession it is. It's the same thing. If you go through the exact same process. So it's Steven Spielberg because he's centered in film. You see that development through his movies. He just doesn't come out with the color purple, you know, where, where it's a very, which is a great film and it deals with family dynamics. No, he has to sort of, work his way through Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is a fictional, but you have that romance in there. He works himself through E.T. He works himself through a darker territory with, with Temple of Doom, building himself up to do a real drama, which is The Color Purple. And this, and that's with the World War II. He doesn't just go from 1941 to Schindler's List. He has to. He spends the 80s maturing, if you will, building himself up to that point. Well, I, uh, what I like about these books that you're writing is that they they aren't incredibly long. You can get a lot, but you pack a lot of information in there, and you, uh, especially when you're doing these things when you're tying all these different films together that some people might not uh, necessarily uh, equate with each other. But it's a, it's it's really cool that you can you can do all that. I like what you said about especially certain films that I love, like uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jurassic Park, and of course Jaws. Which I, and and I, I noticed that there was a point when you actually referenced it as a horror film, which I was so glad that you did. 
Uh, yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there like, no, no, no. Anything that's successful can never be a horror film. Uh, well, yeah, and that's just silly. That's like saying, you know, The Exorcist. That's a horror film. Right, and I love it's that right. analogy that you had where you were talking about that director compared to him. They both had those huge big hits in the 70s, and now look where freaking is now as opposed to, to Spielberg. It's a, very, it's a very good comparison there. Yeah, and, you know, it's too bad. Poor William Friedkin. He just came out with, and I haven't seen it yet, but there's a new documentary out that he did about exorcism, uh, The Devil and Father of Mords. Yeah, yeah. I, have. uh, I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, and it's just too bad that, you know, you know, because Spielberg, Spielberg, William Friedkin, and, and a handful of other directors, Scorsese, De Palma, Coppola, you know, those were all the, the film school generation, the movie brat generation. Right. And really, of that era, Scorsese and Spielberg are the only two that are still working. I shouldn't no, I shouldn't put it like that. I should say they're the only two that still kind of draw a heavy pull. Sure. Where De Palma he had passion in two thousand thirteen, but not yeah. many no one went to go see it. I mean, I'm right. the only one that I know that saw that. No, I, I saw it. I saw it. I oh you did see Passion, yeah, okay. Yeah, I saw it. Uh you know, we haven't seen anything from Coppola in a long time. Sure. Uh you haven't seen anything from uh, well, obviously Robert Altman has has died. Um, Terrence Malick is the one. He's the one who did some work and went away. He came back and he's working again, but his films aren't, you it's know, not, and, and his films aren't meant to be they're, blockbusters they're very, <laughs> at all. Very abstract. Uh, I like some of his stuff, but they're very abstract. Yeah, I can see how they're not necessarily catered. Yeah, no, they're, they're 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 in a whole. Well, that's a whole different. You know, Malick right. movies I think are like right. meditative cinema. Well, so you, so you, cinema. I know that you are a big, huge movie goer yourself. You go all the time, right? Uh, so I know you saw Ready Player One, obviously, but so did Braden. So uh, now I didn't get to see it, but what? You know, Braden already told me what, kind of what he thought, but what what, what do you think about it? Uh, as far as at, from like the Spielberg authorship point of view? No, from. Did you enjoy it? Was did you think it was a great movie? Oh yeah, no, I like I liked the movie. I certainly liked it. Um, what I saw, right? So for the second edition of the book, which will come, God only knows when. Um, I saw a lot of the the child chasing for daddy. He's looking for father figure. You know, his real father figure is the James Halliday character played by, um, geez, brain Mark Rylance, brain snapo. <laughs> for the moment, uh, Mark Rylance. And that's the father who he's looking for, but he's surrounded by horrible dads. He's got his uncle who's abusive towards him. He has the the looming corporate father figure, Sorrento is the character's name. I can't think of that actor's name. Uh, he's in Rogue One. He's in Exodus. Um, great villain character. He's in The Dark Knight Rises. I can't think of his name. Um, but... He's got that sort of father figure looming over him. He rejects him. Without spoiling the, the film, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's that search that he's looking for. He has no home. He's another abandoned child. He's another orphan who finds family through his adventure in the Oasis and, and the uh, Easter egg hunt. Um, the other thing that I really found impressive, I, this is a hard one to gauge because... In the promotion for the film, Spielberg repeatedly kept saying, oh, here's a film that I think is going to reflect how, what, what cult society is heading towards, what the culture is heading towards, which is a fully interactive, maybe not a full interactive VR experience, but a whole, a fully interactive 
virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And we've seen hints of that, even Pokemon Go, maybe even the games we play on, on our Xbox with our buddies. You see that we're heading in that direction. And I caught an interview that Spielberg gave, and I was so upset I did. I saw this interview when I did. It was in, it was in an Arizona newspaper. I think the Phoenix, the main Phoenix newspaper, where Spielberg said that when he makes films, he tries to think if they're going to be relevant in 10 years' time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that was so striking to me with Spielberg's work in the 2000s. Well, what was that you said, Braden, about people were complaining that uh, the, the, uh, the pop culture in, in Ready Player One only went up to 2018? Yeah, I, I'm actually... Sorry, I'm being so quiet. I, I've actually got a. I'm actually just listening to you too, and I, I kind of find myself listening. Um, great stuff, but yeah, the uh, the one big complaint with Ready Player One was that the pop culture only goes up to 2018, and I thought that was kind of a a silly gripe. Um, something I actually want to ask your opinion on, uh, Michael, is. Um, you're talking about how the evolution of Spielberg, and I'm just kind of thinking, you know, Spielberg has made the past, I'm just going off the past four big films he's made, and I know you mentioned the 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 World War II thing, but the past four he's made have been kind of a, a, a mixture. Uh, you had Bridge of Spies, the BFG, which I love the BFG. Um, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I'm a 31-year-old man, and I absolutely love that movie. It made me feel like a kid again. Uh, I, I, I like it, too. I don't think there's anything... I show, Some people, you know, kind of scoff at it, but it's like, well, it's, it is what the book is. It's pretty faithful to the book. So. I'm very faithful, I agree. Yeah. The Post, which was just, I think, him and Tom Hanks just having a grand old time. Um, and then, of course, Ready Player One, a really... Well, Bridge of Spies as well, I mean, because I, I, Hanks was in that. So, what do you see in just, because I've heard I've heard different things, I've heard and, and read articles that Spielberg's just kind of doing, he, he's at a point in his career now where he's doing really whatever the hell he wants to, to do and isn't making movies for anybody but himself or even his, uh, his grandchildren or whatever, or, or kids, or he's just, you know, with the BFG or even Ready Player One, you know, skewing the younger audiences. So, so what do you, th- what kind of point do you think he's at in his career now? Well, uh, so this is my opinion, and I, I there's, I have to be careful how I say this because <laughs> it's a bit of a Swiss cheese comment, but he's been doing whatever he's wanted to do since Close Encounters of the Third Kind, in my opinion. Yeah, I say that because he. Basically, he wanted to do Duel and got the job. He wanted to do the Sugarland Express and got the job. He wanted to do Jaws and got... But those were all... He was a director for hire, right? Mm-hmm. The, the success of Jaws gave him the opportunity to do his kind of, all right, you can do whatever this is. Remember, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is technically a remake of, a, of one of his own movies. He did a film called Firelight back, I think, before he was out of high school. It was a senior year. That was about, and I've never seen it, and it's, I tried to, I did, I 
when, when I worked on the book, Amblin did confirm with me that yes, the film is in its completion. It is, it is not destroyed. It is in its entirety, but I don't think it's, it's available for the public. However, um, it's, it was a remake of his own movie. He basically got to do his passion project. And I say that making air quotes with my fingers, his passion project at the age of 32. <laughs> and because that was also a mega blockbuster that was also nominated for a slew of Academy Awards. It was like, all right, well, what do you want to do next? And then, you know, 1941 was something he wanted to do. Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, now in, in those cases, Spielberg is not a director for hire. There are a lot of great filmmakers who are in a sense directors for hire. Um, Josh Whedon, the guy who directed Avengers, he was asked to come on to it. He could have said no, but he was a in that case a director for hire to go and do that job or finish Justice League. Um, and that's not and I don't mean that in any way, shape or form to, to discredit uh directors and saying that they're lesser for that i think ron howard is a fantastic director <laughs> and i am so happy he took the job to do the new star wars film because you god i will be there the first screening possibly to see it <laughs> um but and i don't mean to discredit anyone by saying that but spielberg has never really been one to oh can we hire him for this job even you know the incident with uh we i would like to do a holocaust film uh, would you have in mind Oh, geez, you want it in black and white? It's going to be three hours long? <laughs> uh, what are you willing to trade for? We got this dinosaur thing. He goes, oh, yeah, Michael Crichton's a friend of mine. We talked about that dinosaur film back before he wrote it. I'll take that. You know. So, yes, he was a director for hire, but it was always his interest. Spielberg is such an auteur, not in the sense that he writes his own screenplays and directs his own – that he writes his screenplays and directs his screenplays. It's in the sense that all of his movies are – his agenda so he has been pretty much doing what he wants to do for as long as it's for pretty much since the age of 32 but do you think so maybe maybe his latter his latter things he's been doing lately um it's just kind of more like if they're not commercially successful oh well i mean i you know sure do every director he cares I'm, oh. okay i'm sorry i shouldn't say that he probably certainly does care but he um it's, it's not – see, you don't see – The Post is not a movie that you think, oh, he's going to go make that to make money. It made more money than I think people realize. I think it – I think you know across 81 million. Well, just his name alone drew it out there, right? But um, what I'm saying is like he, he now at this point can make those kind of movies where he doesn't have to worry about the fact that is it going to hit or miss? Is it going to you know uh, be a blockbuster? No, no, no. So he doesn't, he's, he's he doesn't really have to. Right. Um, and that's the thing is, even if it doesn't, it's it's an interesting story. Clint Eastwood has been doing that since probably Unforgiven. And, you know, he kind of wrote the ending to his career a few times and then, you know, came. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like Clint Eastwood, Gran Torino, that sort of looked like it was going to be the end. Uh-uh, no, he was going to break all of his own records with American Sniper. Well, you know, no, I don't think anyone saw that movie becoming the, I mean, that was the biggest blockbuster 2014 that came out in 2015, but no one saw that coming. Um, and then Sully afterwards, his last one, the one about the, the Marines on, on the train, 1517 to Paris, mm. now, that didn't really take off, but I, you know, it's not that I just don't think he doesn't care. I, I just find that kind of a, a silly line to to say because like you know if, if i were to do something you know i i would you want everything you do to be a hit 
but Spielberg has been, anyway, back to that, Spielberg has been making what he wants to do for quite a while, um, and I've always found that the films are kind of self-indulgent in the sense that, you know, he did the BFG because he read it to his kids. He did Bridge of Spies because, again, it was the Air Force Base where he grew up in Phoenix. You see this all the time. When he grew up in Phoenix, the Air Force Base that he was nearby and dealing with the, the Russian, uh, the threat of a Russian nuclear bombing or whatnot, um, the attack on the press uh, of doing the post, because I, the, see, Ready Player One was finished, but all the visual effects take a while to pretty much render, and he had time to do the post. And Spielberg is a director who has made movies on the fly like that. Catch Me If You Can, I think, was shot in 22 days. Munich was shot in the time span of two months. I don't know if I'm correct about that time span on Catch Me If You Can. I want to say it was 22 days. Catch Me so, If You Can is underrated. Awesome film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's one that, going back to, you realize, and that's so... See, I think Spielberg is a really good director when he makes his movies on the fly. And he's even said that about himself, that his best directing techniques have been when he doesn't have an idea and he has to make it up on the spot. Hmm. Um, and I really, the movies, he, and, and you see that in The Post. The Post has energy to it that I don't think Ready Player One has. Ready Player One's got that great opening scene with the cars and it's got the jokes. It's, it's got uh, the homages people like. But there's that white heat thrill that the post has that something that's drawn out like Ready Player One or Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull doesn't have. And it's because he makes those movies so lightning quick. And it's because it's something he wants to do. And that's the thing is the post made 81 million. And that's a decent amount of money for an Oscar for a film that only got two Oscar nominated Best Picture and Best Actress. That everyone sort of knew was not. It's like no, he, he, he's sort of like the Stephen King, Tom Clancy of of writers. You know the name; they will smack the name onto things that he'll he'll executive produce. But people will by default take an interest in it. Speaking of Stephen um, King, I heard that the Overlook Hotel is in Radio Player Player One. What? The what? The Shining, the, the Overlook Hotel. Is that right? <laughs> uh, what? There's a huge. Spielberg uh, and Kubrick yeah. had a relationship oh, through AI. Yeah. Um, and so there is a, there's a elongated homage to The Shining in, in Ready Player One, which is different from the book. It, and I'm not spoiling anything by telling you this, but in the book, the main character has to go through um, a game where he plays Matthew Broderick in a movie called War Games, having to say every line as the movie plays out on screen. In the move, in, in Ready Player One, the movie, they changed it to The Shining. Okay, cool. He's right. not necessarily Jack Nicholson, but he's got to go through a maze nice. that is the Overlook Hotel. Very cool. All right, so you've been knee-deep in all these films right, doing this book, so obviously you're sure still fresh in your mind. Uh, let's have a quick top three. What you, Do you have them? Uh, top three Spielberg fi films that... No, don't know. ask me that question. Come no, on. I don't want to answer that. I don't want to answer that. No? No. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, second cover, Ryan Schindler's List. Those are the top two. The top third one, uh, oh, E.T., those okay. three. Do you, do you have an idea what my top three are? <laughs> Anybody have an idea what my top three are? This should be easy. Jaws, Jaws, and Jaws. <laughs> no, Jaws, uh, 
Poltergeist, which he didn't direct, but you're going to say he did because it was a horror film. Uh, I, no, he did. Okay, he did direct a few things, I think. Uh, and uh, Land Before Time. <laughs> I'm going to say, obviously, Jaws, yes, number one. Uh, and then probably Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I did watch that recently, and I have a newfound love for it again. And probably, yeah, uh, Jurassic. Those are my three. Uh, but are actually probably E.T. because E.T. was definitely there for me as a child as well. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I do need to revisit that one as well. What about you, Brayden? Top three. You know, I can't disagree with uh, with Michaels, uh, Mr. Joel's, since I'm talking to two two Michaels. Uh, yeah, that's not confusing. Yeah, not at all. Uh, you know, and I, and I forget I forget about the land before time. That that's interesting. You mentioned that because that was no, a childhood no, favorite. Could have produced it. Well, I mean, um, I think so. <laughs> I just check that up. But he um, had, had something to do with it. Amblin had their hands in it, but I don't know if he what his connection was to it off the top of my head. I need my book. I have it. It's it's in the index of the book, and I don't have one with me. It's how well I prepared for this interview. Uh, but um, yeah, I would say uh, you can't go wrong with uh, Ryan or Schindler's, and then. Uh, uh, Jurassic Park was certainly a uh, a groundbreaking moment in cinema. That was a a wow moment when it when it came out. So so that would be my top three. Probably Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, and then Jurassic Park. So switching gears now, uh, Joel, let's talk about uh, this movie that just came out. Oh Jesus! Um, the one you produced, kind the, of. Kind of produced, yes. Can I, can I tell the story? You yeah. want me to? You actually? You, this is your podcast, and you want me to tell tell you this to tell this story? <laughs> sure, go for it. Okay, so sell me this pen, Mike. Yeah, this was all your fault. <laughs> now you want me to tell? You, you're going to have me tell this how this all went down and why I'm a complete Hollywood sellout, kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. So pretty much. Long story. So I come to Mike Wade Johnson. I come to him with, I want to do this basically an art house film. And he goes, all right. And I'm like, listen, you know how to work the Indiegogo system so much because I don't know how we're going to get fundraising for this. He goes, well, I need you. i like, all right, listen, here's what I need you to do. Uh, you got to go back to, you got to give the audience what they want. You got to do something like, well, what's this? I want you to do a filmmaking mockumentary again. And I go, Mike, uh, please. I don't See, because I've done the filmmaking mockumentaries before and the thing is that like they just burn you they're fun to do don't get me wrong they're fun to do but they burn you out so fast because it's not just making a movie you're making a movie about movie making (laughs) it's it's like it's overdose it is such horrid overdose so i need you to do one of those so i was like oh my god really so i i thought about it and I went back to this one video. It's a, about 12 minutes long. It's a Greg the Bunny episode before they got syndicated. And they went, uh, they started doing these these really, and they were poorly made, but like intentionally poorly made, which is what made them so funny. Parodies of movies. And they did one about Pulp Fiction. And it was called Dead Puppet Storage. And it was a 12-minute video of them trying to put together a Pulp Fiction parody, but everything kind of went wrong. I remember seeing that years ago thinking, that's a funny idea for a movie, you know? So I went back and I, I kind of stumbled upon it. I was like, you know what? I think we should steal this idea. Just the basic premise of it, you know? Mm-hmm. But the question was, you know, Pulp Fiction was, at this point, 20, over 20 years old. 
what movie do we stick in there? And Mike, you had put such an emphasis on do a film that is going to please your viewers. I thought, okay, so basically I made a list of films yeah. that I thought we could fit into with, with the Greg the Bunny structure that we could remove Pulp Fiction and just put in another film. So we came up with a list, and we proposed that list on your Facebook page, my Facebook page, all the affiliate movies pages, because they're all kind of lightly connected. They're not like in order sequence. They're just sort of characters will recycle into other videos and stuff. And we did this poll of, of a couple films, and as the results came in, I had to look this up the other week, The Wolf of Wall Street landed at 78% percent of the votes out yeah. of four movies yeah and it was a lot it was a ton and what killed me was that like the wolf of wall street is my favorite i, I, I get in trouble for saying this it's my favorite scorsese film mm. it's probably my favorite movie of, of the decade thus far i love that film to death and i was so like no i don't i was disappointed that was the one they picked because i'm like i like that film so much i don't want to get oversaturated on it hmm. you know, so i was a little disappointed with that but i was like all right well it's clearly what they want and that's you know it, this was a whole lesson in just you know you can't i can you can't be steven spielberg you can't do everything you gotta do what the audience asks for so go, okay so then we just sort of went from there and uh sort of put the cast together um and then obviously the film we, we kind of started last summer, but because I I take my time because I'm lazy. Um, now and we we got it done, and but it was a really wonderful experience of making the film. Really fantastic uh, experience making the film, watching it change, and then um, you know Mike I we just, you know we call a faux pas film your your filmmaking company, but it's not a horror film at all. Right. <laughs> not <in> movies, <laughs> but. But I think bringing in, um, especially the involvement of Portia Shellen, who's been your uh, Scarlet, your femme fatale for two of your films, bringing her mm -hmm. in really brought in the energy that, uh, not that not that the work that Cleveland Moore and Dusty Savoy did wasn't. I mean, they were superb, uh, as well as um, everyone involved in the film, Alexa Hartfield, Olivia Seek. Uh, Jamil, Andrew, Natalia, everyone else whose name I'm forgetting because I'm a dick for doing so. <laughs> um, that's why I hate name dropping. But what was kind of bringing in Portia sort of was like, okay, this is who Mike trusts. And I found immediately it was a very easy, uh, great connection right away. And we just rocked and rolled, you know, and we, we got it done. Right, right, great. So it's out now. Everybody can see it. What's the reaction that you've been getting? Uh, <laughs> so it's funny because like this was so this was the all right so one of the big different things with this movie was that before with the filmmaking parodies we always tried to keep it lightly PG thirteen we tried to avoid not cursing we tried to avoid uh, lewd jokes we tried to and we tried to do everything that would legitimately happen in on a film set that I'd personally wish we would put into the film so that none of it was fabricated. For this, we threw those rules out the window. We said, let's be over the top. Let's be super, you know, crazy. They could be extra lewd. Um, you know, it was sort of an R-rated version of what we had done. So the first reaction from some people was like, yo, man, I don't, they, they didn't like it. What would you show it to? I showed it to my grandparents. I'm like, well, you're an idiot. Like, 
Like, we were joking, like, I brought in, oh, the great Clint Cottrell. Brought in the great Clint Cottrell at the very end to do the sound and the color correction. And, I mean, that guy's an absolute genius. And we were joking. See, Clint and I have worked for years, and we've done a whole variety of stuff. And people, it was, I'm like, yeah, man. Some, one of my one friend really liked it. My other friend, I'm like, guys, Clint and I have worked together for so long. We did a documentary about a Catholic priest, okay? We're not going to take that audience and show them selling yeah. this pen and vice versa we're not going to show them our documentary that's going to put them to sleep and show them to that you know so that was sort of the initial reaction because the moment you put it into the hands of the actors um they immediately and i don't mean this in any bad way i'm, I'm very grateful that they do this they immediately show it to their friends mm-hmm. um and so the reaction has kind of been all over the place um, so, you know, it, it, we're, we're trying to sort of slow roll it out. In the past, we've done like these big premieres, we've done these big screenings where we book theaters and they do. And it's just like, oh man, let, let's go the old fashioned route. Let's just open it slowly. Let's show it a little bit here, Word put it there, and just kind of yeah. slowly let it kind of fade its way into the culture and just see what goes from there, you know? Um, so the reaction, you know, I can't really get a good sense of it, um, but I do, I am very pleased that with this film and like you were part of this was that as we made it as we went along the course of making this film we all were checking each other we were all watching each other's back and it was so fantastic to see as we got closer together um someone come in and be like are you sure about that choice and i'm like i don't know so we ask everyone else involved okay what do you guys think they go no i think it's okay i think they like that you know it, we just didn't vote on the film once we got down to the core central group of filmmakers, we all kind of voted together as a community, which is a very different way of making a film. Um, and it really worked out for the better because like, there were choices that I made and that Cleveland and I would be totally like, we were so sure that this was the right choice, but we're too close to the material. No, it's, it's, so always, then, it's always good to do that. My last couple films and even the one I'm working on now, I would do the same. I, I did that as well, just brought in some of the people that were involved that you know have as much passion for it as I do and, and see what their thoughts are because my thoughts are sometimes wrong. Or you know, Like you said, you need to take, a, take a, a breath away from it and just let somebody else look at it, some new eyes, uh, take it over and, and see some things that you didn't see. Or maybe for me, I know like as a filmmaker, I have this idea about what I want and, that, and then I'll go back and look at it like a month later and I'll say, oh, no, I didn't need to do that. I needed to do this, this, and this. So it's always good to get those opinions. Oh, yeah, no, it's a great. And I credit you for being the person that's sort of like, you know, try and make a movie this way. Why? Because you need to, you know, because you're, I mean, your level of experience with filmmaking way outdoes mine. No, you need to do this. But, 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 Mike, I want it. No, you're not allowed to do the art house film junk. Go and do it this way. All right. Then so, you do the art house. <laughs> All right, man. Sounds good. Uh, so yeah. So tell everybody. Uh, first of all, let's go back to the book a minute. Where can people find the book? Uh, you can get the book through Amazon and Barnes and Noble right now, um, and I'm sure every main, other main book vendors are going to have it. You know, or you know, and the other thing is that if you don't want to spend money on the book, go to your library. Your, your tax dollars pay for your library. Have the library get it for you. You may not like it, so that way you can just return. You didn't spend any money on it. But, so yeah, definitely. Library, Amazon, and Barnes and Noble, they will have it for you. Okay, good, great. And what's the? And it's called The Films of Steven Spielberg by Michael Jordan. The Films of Steven Spielberg, yep. All right, great. And what about the movie? Uh, the movie, it's a short film, Sell Me This Pen, 22 minutes long, starring Cleveland Moore, Portia Shellen, Alexa Hartfield, Dusty Savoy, 
Olivia Seek and Natalia Samoylova, and there's a lot of other great screen talent in that film, um, and a lot of other great people who helped make that film. Uh, some of them I couldn't have done it without. They were even just do just give me a special thanks, and and they know who they are, and they honestly deserve producing credits because they helped me out in so many different ways. A number of people worked on that film. Um, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's on a couple Facebook pages. I know more people as the films kind of spread out and popping up on a couple Facebook pages. So check check that out there, and um, please don't report it. <laughs> please don't send him death threats. Yeah. Damn you! Yeah. You've ruined it. Yeah, I've, I've ruined read some of the comments Street. that some of the actresses got. Like, hey, babe. It's like, <laughs> What, why did this happen? I'll go, wait, hey, listen, I was just the one that asked you to do it. You're the one that agreed to do that on camera. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, you got any any other thing uh, to promote? Any other website for, to direct people to? Oh, dear Lord, no. No, I, I'm going <laughs> to go crawl under a rock for the next month. Okay. Uh, Brayden, you got any more questions for Mr. Joel's? You know what? I don't. Um, like I said, I've kind of, I've, I've actually just kind of sat back and, and listen to the two mics, uh, and it, it's been some good stuff. Um, you, you seem a, a highly knowledgeable gentleman there, Mr. Joel's, especially when it comes to Mr. Spielberg. And I will definitely be checking your book out. And I can't thank you enough for uh, appearing on our little uh, Rinky Dink podcast. So <laughs> it's not a Rinky Dink podcast. It's an awesome podcast. You guys have great content. So please, no, the honor was mine. Thank you for having me on. All right, man. Well, I, yeah, I can't endorse the the book uh, less than, than saying it's great. I just I just read it. Actually, just finished it today. Uh, it's great. Uh, the movie. Uh, I think it's funny, uh, so it appeals to my humor. Hopefully, it appeals to the majority out there. So, yeah, guys, go check out the movie, buy the book, and uh, good talking to you, man. Thanks for being on our being our inaugural guest. Really You're appreciate welcome. it. Man. I hope your viewership did not decrease too much. Went down to negative two right there. <laughs> Damn it, Joel. Negative two. All right, yes, great, good. <laughs> All right, man. All thanks right. a lot. All right, thanks, Gary. All right, bye, guys. Bye, bye. So, that was uh, Michael Joel's. And, uh, really hope, um, we get some more guests as, uh, as good as him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very cool. A very good, uh, first interview for us there. Very good. Uh, and, and I literally, I, I was being very sincere. I, I caught myself just listening because I, I think Steven Spielberg is a, um, a topic and a director that many people can relate with because he has spanned generations. So many generations, so many genres, you know, again, you're looking at so many different, uh, if you don't like a certain kind of film, there's he's probably something in there, in that resume that you're going to like. Yeah, and, and I did. I, I caught myself just listening and, and, and kind of, being a fan for a second and just like, oh yeah, shit, I'm doing an interview. Uh, but, uh, moving on though, um, we got a couple quick things here, uh, and then I guess, I guess we'll, uh, call it an episode. You want to do the, uh, <laughs> the little, uh, segment that we've been doing, the, um, little sound bite, the little songs that you, you play? Absolutely, yeah. Get into Mike's sound bites here. All right, you ready? I'm not play a few little songs here. I've got uh, just a few for you. All right, here we go. 
You familiar with that one? That sounds super familiar. Uh, it sounded like Green Day, but I could be way off base. Green Day? What? Come on. That could have been just the sound of it. Green who, Day? Who was that? That is not Green That band is called The Long Shot. Okay. Yeah, and they're kind of a newer band. Uh, yeah, they're, well, they're, they're, they're uh, front man. His name is uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Okay, because you, you were starting to make me feel like terrible. They're just starting out. They're starting out. So, okay, I, I was like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm rusty. <laughs> no, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I guess he's maybe just taking a side project or something. But, this, but yeah, the uh, <clears throat> the song is called Love is for Losers, and the uh, the band is uh, The Long Shot. They have a new album that just came out. I, I listened to it. It's really good. Man, because I love everything Billy Billy Joe does, but yeah, man, it's really good. Some things do have, some things are a little different. I think, uh, but but you can definitely. It's really. song is called kill your friends uh but yeah i mean there's a lot of green day-esque stuff but there was a few things that didn't remind me too much of green day that i thought oh well this is kind of venturing out but yeah it's good man i i totally recommend checking that album out um loving it loving uh you know again pretty much everything he does but uh we're gonna go back in time and i don't think you're gonna know this song because i don't think anybody knows this song um but i'm gonna play it anyway Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> I have not. Yeah. I have not. That's a little hippy dippy do song. I think from the late '90s, early 2000s or something. I heard it some on the radio. I don't. I caught it. I don't know how I caught this song uh, uh, the other day, and I was like, "Oh, I remember that song." But again, I don't think it. It came and went really fast. It's very hippy dippy do. Okay, uh, here's another oldie, but you, you probably heard this one.
Have you heard that one before? That one's a, uh, a foreign one as well. Foreign one? Uh, the band's Placebo. Okay. You never heard, you never heard much of them? I have. That's a new one on me. Oh, man. Uh, they got quite a few albums out. You should check them out. I like them. Um, uh, they were, again, probably late 90s. Well into, well into the 2000s, though. They're, they're definitely weird. They have a little bit of that uh, Euro kind of sound to them, but um, I don't know. I, I dig them. Next. that one that sounded like Casey Musgrave yep yep that's her that's her okay yeah uh, yeah I, I think me some Casey Mus Musgrave she, yeah uh, she got some good stuff and it's uh, pretty easy on the eyes as well yeah that song is called the trailer song I recommend it it's hilarious uh, it's one of her fun, gotcha. funnier stuff but yeah but yeah I, I like some of her stuff too she's got some pretty decent stuff all right, this is the last one I got for you tonight. Um, the song, the title of the song is called Andy Warhol Was Right. And I really like this song. Check it out. Recognize that voice? It sounds familiar like I should know it, but mm -hmm. uh, it's not ringing a bell right now. Yeah. That is uh, Jamie Lane. Warrant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, a very poignant song. Uh, again, this is uh, off of some of their, their latter albums, but um, but again, this is off of Dog Eat Dog, which is it's been out for a while now. But uh, the song... Uh, Andy Warhol is right. It's it's very poignant in the fact that it's it's very much before its time. Uh, it's about literally Andy Warhol's 15 minutes of fame, and these guys that um, are going out and shooting people to be famous. Like, yeah. And this again, this is uh, came out in um, what was it like? 
93 or something like that. I don't know exactly. No. Yeah, yeah. It was released in 92, believe it or not. But, wow, how, how relevant is that today? Uh very much so. Very and, much so. and again, that's a that's a hairband, not not that's not you know what you consider uh, their signature sound, but uh, but very. And that's why it threw me off. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. The very thoughtful, and again, I, I I do recommend listening to it. It's uh it's 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 pretty cool. It's definitely one of those songs that you're like, wow, yeah, that that, that was before its time. That's all I got, man, for sound bites. So. You want to give uh, the listeners the last letter? Yep, sure will. It's actually a number. Uh, so, yeah, so faithful listeners, I hope you guys listened all the way through and you've got all the, the uh, code for your movie. And all you need is the very last one to redeem that sucker. And that number is five. Yep, five is it. So put them all together, go to Movies Anywhere, and somebody, anybody, get that movie. There we go. And we'll have more of those um, as we go along and do some of these uh, podcasts. So keep on, keep listening, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out on the uh, Facebook page. Uh, like, uh, like, oh. I'm glad you said that. We forgot to mention we now do have a Facebook page. Uh, we have, that was the, uh, yeah, so we're going to probably get some more of these things going for you guys to interact if you want to. But the Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash partsofartpod, P-O-D, partsofartpod. Most definitely. Um, we're trying to trying to branch out and uh, do some, uh, some different stuff and um, – if anybody has any suggestions out there on um, some stuff they want to hear our opinions on, if you want to, if you like our opinions on things, feel free to suggest, and um, we'll try and sneak them into some future episodes. We'll probably give some episode previews on there, uh, what to look forward to, and things of that nature. You know, trying to get with the times and the technology. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, if, if whoever redeems the code, if you guys want to hit up our Facebook and let us know you, you got it, we'll give you a shout out. Most definitely. Um, but I think uh, I think that's it for this week. You got anything else, Mike? Yeah, no, man. I, I think we said it all. Very much so. So uh hope you enjoy the episode this week, and we will uh, be coming at you again with some more interesting uh, parts of art. That's all we got. All right, take care, man. Take care.